A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by White's IGA. Welcome to my Locavore Podcast. I'm Ros White and this is the podcast where we dig deep into the stories behind the hundreds of locally sourced, artisan, bespoke and innovative products available to you in one location at White's IGA on the Sunshine Coast. Our Locavore program was officially launched in 2013 to showcase and highlight to our customers where their food comes from and help connect them to the families who create it. I believe good food helps us celebrate special occasions, the good times, family times, and even unites us through sad and challenging times. Perhaps united by the unconditional love and traditions of food and the joy and creativity in preparing it. Good food brings families and friends together. It is our universal love language. Emmanuel Bellet is a third-generation chef who grew up and trained in Grasse, France, and learned a lot about food and cookery from his French grandfather, Pepe Lyon. But Emmanuel's cooking has also been influenced by his Italian side of the family, where food always brought the large family together. A couple of years ago, I received a call from this talented chef who wanted to expand all possibilities after a humble start selling his fresh pasta out of a food truck on the Sunshine Coast. Emmanuel generously provided me with some samples, which I diligently cooked up and shared with our team. Three minutes in a pot of boiling water. It was unanimous. The flavour, texture and consistency of this quality fresh pasta transported us to another world. This tantalising, mouth-watering, silky fresh pasta is spectacular. And to boot, it is all gluten-free. I'm so excited to welcome and introduce the founder, chef, local producer of Pepe Leon's Kitchen, Emmanuel, to our Locable podcast. Welcome, Emmanuel. Thank you, Rose, for having me. It's great to have you here. Absolutely love your story. I want you to transport us back to the place where it all started. So you grew up in France with your family. And tell us a little bit about that and your family's history, because you're a third-generation chef. Third-generation, yes. And you have this fascinating mixture of French and Italian. Yes. And the influences and the significance of that and how you brought that here and created this magnificent range of beautiful, fresh, gluten-free pasta called Pepe Leon's Kitchen. Yeah. Well, um, yes, my grandfather was a chef that's always cooked the best, gnocchi, ravioli and pasta. And my Italian grandma as well, she always done, you know, capelletti and just always made things for, for everyone. Yeah, I decided, you know, probably one day was a good idea to maybe just share these recipes, those recipes with everyone. So actually share the recipes or just yeah. the beautiful it was result of the recipes? Probably probably the result actually. Yeah, you hang on to these things, don't you? They're like little family treasures, aren't they? It is. And but they, I had to adapt them to gluten-free. So, And the reason to make them gluten-free was to my partner who cannot eat gluten. Basically, I was like, oh, she cannot eat those recipes. She can't, she can't test the food. So I'm just going to have to find a way. And 
So I did. So where did you start with that? Because so in general terms, without giving away any of your secrets or your magic, you know, fresh pasta is basically like a flour. Obviously, that would be the main ingredient. And so you had to replace that with a substitute, which there's a broad range of oh, these, substitutes available now, isn't there? There is there's a lot. I've tried a lot of different flowers and then just was not happy with any of them. So I just just basically look up. Internet is a great thing these days. You can just, you can find anything you want. So people share ideas and I find gluten-free flowers is just so many, you can, you can make so many different ones for so many different things. When you use plant flour, I think it's you use one type for pretty much everything. Right. But when when you use gluten-free flour, you can, you, you know, you just change the recipes a bit. and then So so do you get a better results? Yeah, yeah, right. So a different type or a substitute. Yeah. So what, like a tapioca yeah, or a tapioca. rice flour yeah. or… And you um, just, and you you just get... use different, different amounts for different recipes. It works better, I think. Right. So it's so the… I to find the right one for pasta. Yeah. Yeah, I tried a few different ones, and that's interesting. So it's how you utilize it, and yes. you had to change the mixing, the mixture, or the method as well, yes. because you can't like I find you can't work with the same way. You can't work with gluten-free flour the same way. It has to be, I find a bit has to be a bit more moisture because those flowers hold more moisture. They're mm. just they're a bit more dry. So so how long did you have been... to persevere? And is your gnocchi or your ravioli? Do you use a different flour for each one of those? I, I do, yes. Wow. So, uh, well, I think the experience I had in the kitchen for over 20 years just helped. You can see with the eyes, you can see what's missing, what, what needs to be changed. And I think I didn't spend too much time working on the recipe. I think I had it sorted pretty quickly. Okay. Which so is, I'm pretty glad. And experience is a wonderful thing, isn't yes. it? So you had your 20 years of training as yes. a chef in France. Yes. And so that was in grass yeah. with your family. So your so your third generation chef. So yeah. your father is a chef. He's a chef too. And your grandfather. Yes. And they they're all from France. same area. No one's actually moved from this area in my family. They all stay in the same place. So yeah, we've always been around food because obviously so many chefs in the kitchen in the family. And my grandfather was always cooking. That's the first thing they think about in the morning. Mm. With my grandma, they used to see, what are we going to cook today? And then that's it. They spend the day cooking and thinking about food and talking mm. about food. It's always been present, very present. So so what other dishes may you have had as a child, you know, rather than, I'm sure there were other uh, things other than pasta? Well, my what grandma people? is actually from Corsica, so we had the specialties. She used to make a lot of desserts. She loved sugar. So, mm. And my grandfather always had a garden so we use lots of vegetables so like ratatouille and lots of dishes with you know fresh salads fresh broad beans things like this mm. lots of vegetables and Pepe leon it was your grandfather yes. and and you've obviously named your product yeah. range Pepe leon's kitchen after your grandfather so yeah. he must have had a significant influence in your life so was it through that universal love of an unconditional love of food or what was the relationship you had with your grandfather? Yeah, well, we we spent a lot of time with our grandparents. My parents were always working. So I think we spent a lot of time with them and I just loved being with my grandparents. They were so interesting. All the people are so interesting. So we had like, yeah, just days and days and weeks and weekends, holidays, mm. always with them. So and um, did your mum and dad have a restaurant or no, were they? Um, my dad was working. 
Well, originally my, my grandfather didn't want him to be a chef. So he had to find another trade because he said it's a horrible industry. You work really hard. So he, he learned a different job. But then when he was in age, he said, I'm going to be a chef. So there you are. Um, he worked in actually in a school and my mom too. So, but they've, they've always been busy. Mm. I don't know. Just always been. Busy families. Yes. Always working. And and so you spent twenty years working with your family in grass. Yeah. So what brought you here? Where? How long ago did you arrive in Australia um, and start your journey here? It was in two thousand and seven. I just wanted to travel. Just moved to Australia just to because a friend of mine was like, "Go to Australia. It's a great place, great country. It's amazing." So I decided to try it, and then I just met someone, and then we. Ended up staying here. It was just a great place to, like, I think it's, Australia is such a, it makes you feel safe. Mm. It makes everything is just great in Australia, I think, just compared to France. I'll just find there's more opportunity, I'd say. The things I love is that everything seems to be, like, when you talk about food, everything seems to be growing here in Australia. Yeah. They don't import many things. Mm. And... It's Which just, is fantastic, isn't amazing. it, that we can be self-sufficient like that and we do have, you know, a pristine environment for the freshest quality food. And and the food is amazing. Yeah. It's so great. So, yeah. so many opportunities, so many great chefs now in yeah. Australia. And so yeah. in 2007 you arrive in Australia, you meet your partner yeah. and start a life here, which is amazing. And so Pepe Leon's Kitchen started from humble beginnings and you were selling a beautiful fresh pasta out of a food truck here on the Sunshine Coast. Yes. So. What kind of time, how long ago was that, you know, from 2007 arriving? Did you um, come straight to the beautiful Sunshine Coast or did you? Did, uh, yes. Oh, actually, no, sorry. I was in Brisbane and then went back to France and then came back to Coulomb, actually. Yep, beautiful. And been there for 13 years now, all yeah. around the area. Yeah. So from food truck to markets to White's IGA, cold calling essentially that's what you did when you walked in our door and uh, we sat down that day, you and me and Kimmy. You know, cold calling's pretty, takes a <laughs> bit of confidence and a bit of courage. So, you know, what led you to us and, and how did that go for you? How did that feel? Oh, well, I'm, I'm actually like, I find that's my personal point of view. I think I'm a bit shy and I don't know, for some reason I just thought like, you know, you promote the local and I see, I, I just, I great you do like what you do for your businesses and for White Sagi and what you've achieved over the years. And I thought, you know, like just, it's worth trying and asking, like just I'll go and see Ros and see what she thinks. No, just, I have a motto too, which is if you don't ask, you don't get. Well, yes. And my, you never know, do you? <laughs> that's it. Yeah. You're just right. Ask. So the worst, like people would say it's no. And and I'd, I'd actually trust you that you would have just gave me an answer that was an honest answer. And then Definitely. A yes or no. not. Mm. And so. I wasn't saying no to that. I just, oh, thank you. <laughs> but I just thought just, yeah, it is, it is pretty um like to try to like, you know, get your product out there. It's, it's very challenging sometimes. Mm. But you also think that if you, that's what you want to do, you have to like, you have to just get the courage to do. Just get out there and yeah. make it happen because no one's going to do it for you. A hundred percent. That's right, Emmanuel. And the thing is, once a it's about introducing it to the customer yeah. at the end of the day and building that brand awareness and 
then the customer, let the customer decide. And once they taste it and they want more, that's how you build build your capacity and your demand and build your distribution and whatever. Because believe me, when you when you eat this beautiful, magnificent pasta, you do want more. And you're going back and going, I want that again because that was magnificent. And it is just really building that awareness and build, that's how you build your market, isn't it? Yep. And I think having um, prior to that, doing the markets and having the instant feedback was a great thing, mm. a great way to start, I think, because once, once it's in store, it's, it's not an immediate feedback. Mm. But I do have a lot of people just, yeah. You're, we'll have to get you back in store doing some tastings. We do. That's probably, yeah. some people do have suggested that, that they would yeah. like to try it before they buy. So yeah, it's, well, it's a great thing. You know, we just, we had to stop a lot of that through COVID, but yeah. we've started um, with our in-store tastings and demonstrations again, so yeah. there's That's your invitation. Good. Come on in. Let's let's organise it. Some normal then finally. Um, so when you arrived here, you did you sort of peruse the market and sort of see a gap in the market? What what was the inspiration, or when you first decided to create your business here? What was your mission to create and share? Well, it took me a long time actually to get started on having a business. I think it's working in restaurants, working all those hours and thinking, why not putting those hours into something that's going to be beneficial to me? So I started doing this, thinking about opening a business. And I had a friend suggesting the market is a great way to start, start, you know, the markets. It's easy. It's simple. Mm. And so that's where it started. And then it started there. Mm. And what were the challenges along the way? I'm sure you sort of would have met a few along the way, um, you know, sort of from that very, you know, rocking up to your first markets or with the, in your oh, food yes. truck. It would have been, goodness yes. me, I've made this investment. Is this going to work for me? <laughs> yes. Am I going to be able to sell my product? Because it's a fresh product, isn't it? Yes. You know, so it's not, it's not a dried product. It's fresh. So it's refrigerated. So it has a shelf life, short shelf life. Yeah. You know, if it's consumed within a few days to keep it at it at its absolute optimum. Yeah, so that that's a real gamble, isn't it, to sort of... It was, yes. Mm. Um, just finding finding ways, like I always thought it was easier to run your own business, quite frankly. Mm. Uh, and you realise just there's so much involved, not just as a chef, not just being in a kitchen and cooking. Yeah. And then finding the markets and finding just, yeah, all the, the time to make it and just because I had a full-time job at the time too. So oh, my goodness. It was a yeah. bit challenging yeah but um so working hard after work yeah working on weekends selling your product on product on weekends yes um and and there must have been a passion that was driving you because that didn't stop you you thankfully you mm. walked through our front doors <laughs> and said i've got this beautiful range of fresh pasta and uh we'd love it to go into white's iga stores and when you you know it was a real privilege to be able to sit down and hear your story and you. your packaging was fantastic, you know, that you, the product, the size. But once I'd tasted it, that was the very th- – I thought, oh, my – and do you know what? Without sounding biased at all, and I apologise to others, but I honestly – it is my go-to pasta. It is absolutely magnificent. Thank you. And it, and it just cooks so well and so quickly. Three minutes, boiling water, three minutes, pop it in, and then um, you've got this beautiful, silky, glorious – co- and, and it doesn't matter that it's often in the past, historically, gluten-free pasta mm. was hard to manage, hard to cook. If you didn't cook it within six minutes – 
it would be falling apart or if you under mm. oh my gosh i'm i i'm not gluten intolerant but my yep. mum was a celiac so okay. i have spent quite a bit of time cooking with gluten free food and um but yours just holds together magnificently it's cooked in 3 minutes and it's absolutely there trying. is a magic there there's a there's a there's a magic i don't know if it's the influences of the french and the italian combination I think but probably yeah i was i was trying really hard to make something as close as possible to what my grandfather and my grandma, my Italian grandma made because I really wanted people to be able to taste, you know, the food I grew up to. Because um, being in France, so many people always commented on how great their food was and like whatever they was, whatever they was doing was amazing and just mm. so. But we grew, up, we grew up eating that food and for me it was nothing mm. just, I mean, it was special, but we just didn't realize how special it was. Yeah. And quite frankly, I started by mostly – to share this this food with people, I didn't I didn't think like I want to make a business to make money. It was just more to share with mm. everyone. Yeah, because you knew um, you you had something really special, and you know your universal and unconditional love for food and bringing people together. It's it's more than a product or a business, isn't it? It's yes. it is about being able to you know you have something special. You want others to enjoy it as well, and that and was, that was exactly. Um, what I was trying to achieve, and yeah. So where are you at now? So you, you know, you'll have your product into you know other stores and other yes. outlets across the Sunshine Coast. Have you expanded into other areas outside of the Sunshine um, Coast? Brisbane a bit. I used to go all the way to the Gold Coast, but there's so many. You know what it's like. I'm sure um, trying to expand a business, it's it's there's a lot involved, and mm. so this is the next step. I think I need to just maybe be a bit more clever about the way I do it without yeah. compromising the quality of the product. So sure, maybe uh, find a distributor and have a have a bit of a strategy to scale maybe. up without it is killing yourself in the process. <laughs> yes, because it is hard working with a fresh product, but that's the whole thing. I just I would like to keep it fresh because that's the whole point of of this of this product. So, mm. um, would you have any suggestion on how to expand and reach more people so they can enjoy Pepe Leon's fresh pasta. Yeah, well, I think uh, absolutely, Emmanuel, because it is a beautiful product that, you know, to expand that love and goodness out into the uh, into the universe. Look, it is really, I suppose, because you're delivering the product yourself into yes. store, aren't you? Yes. So you're basically doing everything. You're buying the ingredients. Yes. You are the chef. You are preparing these magnificent products in your kitchen and then you're packaging them and then they're going into your delivery van and you are the delivery man as well <laughs> at the back dock of the white side GA and here you are, here's your beautiful fresh pasta. That is intense. That's a huge workload and, and if you want to expand, it is actually about getting that strategy to scale up. So, you you know, it may well be the first thing is to sort of build some infrastructure to create a, a bigger commercial kitchen with bigger, mm. you know, more capacity because I know that the market is there for you uh, but it's about the, you know, building your volumes, building your capacity and then distributing it to the market. So for a retailer, we want to be able to to access products easily and, you know, if it's beyond you being able to get in that truck and drive it yourself because that's just, you know, too far out of reach, not even feasible or or possible from a time perspective, then the next step is to find a distributor. Mm. There's some fantastic distributors that are... 
do this all the time and they help bring new products and emerging new products and suppliers to life and help you take that next step to expand. And so, you know, I can put you in touch with some amazing distributors and be able to get your product out there. But there's a series of things and there would be a, a, you know, a bit of a a strategy. You'd have to look at your capital investment, you know, to build that capacity and, and, um, and get your distribution. But absolutely, I think you should do that. And I would really encourage you to because you do have a beautiful product. Thank you. I'll try to maybe, yeah, take it to the next step. Yeah, then that'd be marvellous. So let's talk about your beautiful gnocchi. So you and I had a conversation and I like mine pan fried. but yes. And so I was just taking it fresh from the packet and just pan frying it and then adding uh, some beautiful fresh basil, tomatoes, some mushrooms. Oh my yep. gosh, it's delicious. Just scrumptious. But then you said, no, 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 no. You boil it first. Then pan fried. Yeah, because it's um, you have to. It's not a cooked product, so it's even though you cook the potato to make it, so you still have to cook this this gnocchi. So so then when you pan fry, it doesn't it's it's mostly just to like color the gnocchi yes. and just heat it up. Or so you got to cook it through so it's not sort of ha- so its consistency is yes, right. Yes, and so three minutes in a, or it comes to the top. It comes to the top. Rises yes. to the top. You drain it. Yeah. Then you could pan fry it if you, you wish can pan to, fry it or just put it in your sauce. And you, how would you, you how would you serve it at home? What would be your ideal way? What's what's? Oh, I love. Um, my grandfather always used to make a, a fresh tomato sauce mm. or Napoli sauce, and sometimes we had. He used to make um like a French stew, and we had this like like a ragu rich, type thing. like a like a in French it's called a dub, which is like a. I don't know how you call it here, but so you marinate your meat and then you cook this stew in red wine for like a long time. And Yummy. This sauce, it's a really rich, really rich sauce. Mm. And so whenever we had leftovers, we had it with this. I always remember my grandma always asked us to pick one and mm. <laughs> to pick a sauce we want for the gnocchi. Really? There was only two choices. But um, Fresh parmesan on the top, fresh herbs. What what was Oh, the... we always had like a, yeah, a mix of whatever cheese was in they used to keep the cheese on the window seal because it was cooler. That was really uh, funny. Yeah. But yeah, just whatever cheese they had. Um, oh. And I don't know. It was, How delicious. It was a, mix, a mix of different cheeses. Yeah. And I mean, cheese just can, tra- it can transform any dish, can't it? Yes, but it, pasta and parmesan just seems to, and tomatoes and it seems fresh to, herbs yeah. just seem to all <laughs> live together, don't they? So do you have a favourite? Are like, you allowed to have a favourite? I favorite? Like all the cheeses. <laughs> Do you have a favourite pasta? I really like the gnocchi because um, it just reminds me of my grandfather and yeah. just having this, you know, big bowl of gnocchi at, at the table and mm. um, definitely. Beautiful. And you've got the fresh lasagna sheets. Yes. So I've been wondering this myself. If you, if I wanted to, because you don't have a pappardelle in your range, do you? You have fettuccine? I do actually. Uh, you I do? do. I'm, I'm constantly trying to get new products. I yeah. think it's... I think it's very hard to, um, you know, constantly try to put them into new stores because yeah. there's a lot involved. As, yeah. But um, I do have pappardelle have now. a pappardelle because yeah. otherwise I thought I could probably just cut the lasagna Some people do that. Yeah. If you want a nice and, and cook a beautiful ragu or something yeah. and serve it with that. It seems to go a lot really well with a, a stew or something. Yeah, yeah. A ragu. So reportedly the global pasta market reached a value of US $21.8 billion. Dollars oh, in 2020, and expects the market to reach a value of US 
$24.7 billion by 26. Do you think that's competitive? (laughs) (laughs) What makes you stand out? I know what makes you stand out. What do you think makes you stand out in that hugely competitive market? I actually think from what people are saying, a fresh gluten-free pasta, it's something that's not... I mean, you can find some, obviously, at shops, but um, I think it's the fresh gluten-free pasta. That's, it's not, you find a lot of dried one, but fresh is not very common, I think. Mm. Yeah, that's um, right. It's the fresh gluten-free that's actually the... Um, and like, because we've always had, like, having chefs in the family or people who cook, it always, it's always fresh. So it always had to be fresh. So... Mm. And it's the only thing I know how to do, actually. Yeah, that's right. So you'll keep going on this journey. You've still got lots more to share yet. I think so, yes. Broaden your range. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And so what is your full range? Talk us through. What have you got? You have the gnocchi. We've got gnocchi. We've got, I think, the, oh, we said the classic fettuccine spaghetti. We have lasagna sheets, uh, fusilli, macaroni, and uh, pappardelle we have. The next step, I think, will be to try to do ravioli gluten-free, but it's a lot lot involved in this and trying to, yeah, constantly trying to get new shapes Mm. and new pasta shapes. Mm. Um, So will you stick with pasta or will you broaden, you know, into other areas? What are the other family secrets that you can share with us, Emmanuel, (laughs) from Pepe Leon's kitchen? Recently we um, have pizza base gluten-free. Again, like trying to make it from... The closest, uh, you know, as much fresh or just ingredients that, that are not transformed. So to make it like as close as possible to normal pasta, uh, pizza base. Mm. So that's, I think we've worked on a recipe now. That's, I think it's really good. Mm, beautiful. Um, well, I look forward to that and I can be your taste tester. If you need a guinea pig, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely. here. I'm, I'm, I'm very generous to share my services. So you're here in Australia now, you settled. You had you have four children or five children? Yeah, four. Four, four children uh, growing up here in Australia, Australians. And... Yes, it's the best place to raise, to yeah. raise children, I think. Yeah, Australia. and is there a fourth generation chef in the making? I mean, the two older boys, they always said they wanted to be chefs. Um, and my oldest son actually started working in restaurants and kitchens. But I don't know, it's... um. I think it's a bit hard and I always say to him, you have to commit to something you like because if you're mm. going to do it for the rest of your life, you have to really like what you do. So could he enjoy. come into the business and, you know, be, be… Possibly, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely something. And he's really, really good at what he does, when he does it. So mm. so he, there is a little… I think so. Yeah, there's a little magic secret trick that's, uh, you know, just exclusive to your family maybe that you… Yeah. And the little one… Is eight months now. He just loves food, so ah, that might be the new chef. <laughs> you're breeding them well. So your Pepe Leon's Kitchen uh, mantra is "Life is a combination of magic." What's the inspiration for that? Well, I think life is a bit magic, isn't it? And mm. you have to have pasta in it. I think. Mm. Yeah, I think. Um, I don't know. So there's a little bit of magic in your pasta and maybe, maybe you're passing that magic on down to another generation so that you can continue providing that magic out, you know, for, for us to enjoy, yes. which we're very blessed to be able to have you here on the Sunshine Coast and just Thank have you. such a glorious, 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 quality, fresh, fabulous pasta. So that being the mantra of Pepe Leon's Kitchen, what's Emmanuel's 
private motto or mantra? What do you live by? That's funny. Um, I'd like to, to say honesty, like just to be honest mm. in everything in your life is probably the one. And my grandma always used to say, honesty always pays. Like you always have to be honest to people. Actually, both my grandmas always used to have something similar that you definitely have to be honest in your life and everything you do and, and yeah. it's the best way to do it, to, I think to that's live a, life. I mm. think that's a great mantra, Emmanuel. And um, if you're honest and transparent, yeah. then you never have to be frightened, that's do you? It. You know, you're frightened that something's going to pop up that you yeah. don't want others to know or see and you can live with and you can see it in what you do, like your food or what you do for others as well. And like raising children too, being honest with them. And mm. that's transfer and that, that into the things that you do each day and, yeah. and the products, even they have an integrity of them of their own, don't they? You know, that's about maintaining that integrity. So the quality is intact and, yeah. and being true and, and having that conviction to making sure that it's true to, it's brand because that's one thing that consumers do expect, isn't it? That consistency. Yes. So they're, they're, if they can consistently go back and, you know, be able to buy your product, where do you mm. still do the markets or are you mainly had, just into? I've had to stop doing the markets because yeah. it's a lot of work. And But, yeah, like people still ask me, can you, are you going to be at the market? But mm. it's um, you, I don't think you can do everything because yeah. then you kind of lose yourself a bit. Yeah. But they know they can get the product at Whiteside, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Which we're so, so proud of. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. So thank you so much for your time today. I know you're so, so Thanks busy. And, um, but I just, I absolutely love your story and, you know, your backstory and bringing all that special magic here to our country. Thank you. To our community, to our region, for our customers to enjoy. It's just, there is a special type of magic about it. Well, it so. is a special place and, and. Thank you for all you do too to the Sunshine Coast and thanks for giving everyone a chance to. Thank you. No worries. My pleasure. Thanks, Manuel. Thank you. A locavore is a person who chooses to consume food that is grown, raised or produced locally. This is the Locavore Podcast, brought to you by Whites IGA.